0: This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Sineos Health, a new fully integrated biopharmaceutical solutions organization that's the result of a merger between INC Research and Inventive Health. Sineos Health is focused on a simple end goal, shortening the distance from lab to life. To learn more, visit Cynioshealth.com podcast. Welcome to Industry Focus, the show that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Wednesday, December the 5th, and we're talking healthcare. I'm your host, Shannon Jones, and I am joined via Skype by healthcare guru, Todd Campbell. Todd, how are you?
1: I'm doing well, Shannon. I'm excited about today's show. We get to talk about one of the most uh, highly anticipated events of the year in healthcare. And uh, I think we're going to have some good takeaways here for our listeners.
0: I agree. I am equally as excited. Um, for our listeners that are new to the healthcare space, there are several really big, major medical conferences that uh, both the scientific community and investors watch you know, anxiously. Um, this one in particular, this is ASH. This is the American Society of Hematology's annual conference um happening this year actually in San Diego. Todd, I don't know about you. This is actually one of my favorites. If you think about between ASH, you've also got the JP Morgan Healthcare Conference that happens in January. You've also got ASCO, American Society of Clinical Oncology. That one happens around mid-year. Of the 3, I love the big medical conferences the most. JPM to me, It's more of like a horse and pony show. You get some interesting uh, presentations on the business end of things. But for me, I love the science that comes out of conferences just like Ash.
1: Yeah. JPM, there's a lot of uh, rah-rah presentations. Look how great we're doing. Uh, But you really oftentimes get some big news breaking like mergers and acquisitions. Sometimes they'll update their forecast for the year. You might get preliminary earnings data. And Shan, I'm sure you and I will be covering that in a lot of detail um, because that happens relatively soon in the first week of January. Um, The American Society of Hematology Conference, that is a study of things associated with the blood, right, hematology. And usually what ends up happening, these companies in the clinical stage and commercial stage drugs, they're running studies um, for blood cancers, bone marrow cancers, hemophilia studies, sickle cell disease studies. And as they get interesting trial data, they want to, of course, present that information out to all of the industry uh, participants, so not just reporters. We're talking actual scientists and doctors who are, are taking care of these patients. So yes, you're right that this is a a really a fascinating um, event to watch because oftentimes you'll get you know data that is quite remarkable. And over the course of the last few years, I think blood cancers, especially, uh, have seen remarkable advances. Um, you know, we've talked in the past of the show about T's and we're going to talk about one in in a few minutes. But yeah, so this this is a great show. It's a it's a I'm looking forward to diving into some of these companies and explaining, I guess, some of our key takeaways. Anyways,
0: yeah. So we're going to run down. Are I guess, top three notable stories coming out of Ash. This is certainly not an exhaustive list. Certainly check out fool.com to stay up to date on all the coverage related to Ash. Um, but we chose what we consider are our top three. So, let's Todd, let's dive into the first one. Um, this is a name that is probably a household name for many healthcare investors. But the first company that reported out results is Celgene. Uh, that's ticker C-E-L-G. Um, and Celgene never disappoints. Had a slew of data readouts at ASH, but there was actually one presentation in particular that caught many investors' eyes. Todd, what can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah, they're possibly one of the most prolific uh, presenters at here, and Celgene obviously is just a dominant force in multiple myeloma, um, and as a result, you know, oftentimes makes a, a lot of presentations here at ASH. Uh, every year. This year was no exception. I mean, obviously, they had, the, they had the, the pole position presentation on Saturday for the drug that they developed with Acceleron, uh, which is Patercept. We talked about that in the show a few weeks back, or in the past anyways, for beta thalassemia and myelodysplastic syndrome. So, I figured, now, we've already covered that one. That's not as exciting, maybe, as this other data that they released. And the one that really stood out to me was the information that they divulged on LisoCell, which is a CAR-T gene therapy that is best known for its development for non-Hodgkin lymphomas.
0: Yeah, so let's just talk about CAR-T a little bit. I know we've talked about it quite a bit on industry focus, but for anyone who's new, CAR-T is really taking the healthcare uh, world by storm. And basically, on the simplest level, it's basically a treatment in which a patient's T cells from their immune system um, are taken out, they are transformed, supercharged, if you will, and then put back into the patient's body via infusion with the idea being now you've got a supercharged immune system that can go out and fight cancer. So Lysacel, cell, Lisa cell um, is another type of CAR-T. Um, definitely not the first for those that have been following, uh, you've got Gilead and Kite put out their own card and Novartis, they were first to market. Um, but LysoCell many investors will more readily recognize it as Jcar017. Uh, Celgene actually purchased Juno Therapeutics earlier in the year, I believe it was about $9 billion acquisition, got this asset and now is actually uh, turning some heads at Ash this year.
1: Right, and up until this point we've thought of Lisocel or Lysosel, however we to pronounce it, we've thought of that as being a potential best in class um, because of some potential safety advantages versus the first two that made it to market. So Gilead's Yescarta and Kim Raya from Novartis. That changes a little bit today though, because at Ash they presented data. From a very small trial for its use in chronic lymphocytic leukemia, or CLL, and that's the most common leukemia in that gets diagnosed in adults. It's, it starts out in the cells of the bone marrow, uh, in the cells that become white blood cells, and th- what this trial did is it evaluated LisoCell in chronic CLL, which is a form wherein the cells only partially mature. They don't completely mature. And over time, those you know, non-completely matured cells crowd out normal white cells, spill out into the blood, go into other parts of the body. There are about 20,000 newly diagnosed cases of CLL every year. And what this study was trying to figure out is, could lesocells provide a new treatment for patients who have taken the standard of care, which is Imbrovica, and seen their disease return. So they've relapsed or they, or they were refractory, they didn't respond to Imbrovica. And in this, again, small trial, the results were pretty remarkable. 81% of patients responded and 43% of patients had a complete response.
0: And these were patients that were truly sick. I mean, these are patients that had failed at least, I believe, it was, what, four and a half, five other therapies just getting to this point. Um, So these were very sick patients. Another thing in CLL is right now, there's not a CAR-T therapy that's indicated for CLL, which I think is very smart strategically. Um, this particular drug initially um, and still is going after the lymphomas, just like the other CAR-T therapies. But you see cell gene actually pivoting. And I think it's very smart because this could potentially be the first
1: CAR-T in CLL. Right. And if you look at the commercial performance so far of YesCarta in Camrya... It's been a little bit of an an anemic launch so far since they've rolled, I think, combined sales between those two. Cartis last quarter was less than a hundred million dollars. So I think what you're looking at this, and and people have been worried about this all year. They've been saying, well, geez, even if you get this on the market for you know non-Hodgkins, you know how much of the sales will they really capture, and does that really justify that big price that they paid to buy Juno earlier this year? This kind of uh, walks back some of that worry because now you can look at it and say, ah, okay, you know Imbruvica does nearly a billion dollars. Per quarter in sales, um, and it's the most widely used of, uh, drug in CLL right now. So there, it, there is an opportunity, obviously, where you could now say, okay, well, yes, the first approval may come in non-Hodgkin lymphoma for this drug for this gene therapy, but. Other future, you know, if you could get this approval in CLL, now I can begin to see why Celgene is forecasting that this could be a three billion per year uh, drug and peak sales.
0: Yeah, and three billion is one range. I've heard some analysts say it could even go as high as five billion. Um, I think that's a little bit more aggressive, but really underscores the fact, and we've talked about this in a lot of shows, that Celgene needs a more diverse revenue stream. Um, Celgene up until this point right now has got about 63% of its revenue tied in one drug, and that's Revlimid. Um, Listen to last week's show if you want to hear more about that. But this could be um, a huge, huge revenue driver for the company if it works. Again, this was a very small study, early phase one study. Um, But I think, The key issue that I'll be watching for this drug, so let's assume that it gets approved in CLL. Um, And I think that the key, though, is can Celgene figure out how to get CAR-T from the very expensive inpatient setting to potentially even having this drug in the less expensive outpatient setting? CAR-T therapy right now, Todd, you talked about just how low the sales launch numbers are pretty disappointing. Um, And I think really it's because of the list price. You're talking about $375,000, upwards of $475,000 for treatment. And that doesn't even include the supportive care that goes along uh, with infusing patients with CAR-T. So I think um, if not only do they need to get to the finish line of getting this drug approved, they also really need to think about how do we make this commercially viable?
1: Yeah, half million dollar price tags. And the other thing to recognize, too, is that the the current ones that are on the market right now, they're for very late line use uh, in patients. So, you know, very small patient populations that have gone through multiple treatments and, and, you know, failed to respond them. So, you know, you not only do you have to figure out, you know, how to reduce the cost of these things um, so that you can overcome insurers and other payers' objections to them, but also figure out how to make them safe enough to be able to use to Earlier in the treatment paradigm, because if you can obviously generate out, um, you know, if you have a safe drug that can generate very high response rates, then you could actually start to see oh, well, maybe there's a way to use this alongside Imbrovica. I think a trial might be planned uh, for that actually in the future, Um, you know, or or maybe even compete against it in the earlier lines of setting. Just to rein back a little enthusiasm for it, as we said. Most likely scenario here is for an approval in 2020, and that will be for non-Hodgkin lymphoma indication. CLL would have to be a supplemental, most likely, and that probably would come until obviously after that. So we're still talking a few years away in CLL.
0: Yeah, but definitely a key storyline to watch here for Celgene moving forward. Um, On the other side of the break, we'll dive into two more notable stories coming out of ASH. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Sineos Health. Bringing a new drug to market is getting tougher and tougher. At Cineos Health, they're changing the game. As a result of a merger between INC Research and Inventive Health, they've created a unique business model that allows clinical and commercial disciplines to work together, eliminating traditional process obstacles and delivering something they call biopharmaceutical acceleration. Helping their customers accelerate the delivery of important therapies to patients, Sineos Health is focused on a simple end goal, shortening the distance from lab to life. To learn more, visit cynioshealthcom podcast. All right. So we've talked about CAR T cell therapy. Many investors are familiar with that. Um, and I think... A good segue is actually talk about the second company making headlines, potentially um, something even more interesting than Carti. And the company that is driving this is a company called Regeneron that many investors will be familiar with. That's ticker symbol R-E-G-N. And they are actually going after a, I guess you could consider it a newish type of cell therapy, something called bi-specific antibodies. And it certainly has made some splashy headlines here at Ash Todd. Um, I must say, I was quite impressed when I saw the data on this one.
1: Very small sample size, we'll get to that, but yeah, incredibly impressive. And I think investors, what you really have to recognize, okay, we're always trying to figure out, okay, what's the next big thing as far as mechanism of action that people are going to be talking about? I think bi-specific antibody therapies, that, is, that could very well be what you're going to want to um, be focusing on in 2019. You're going to hear more and more about these as we go. Essentially, what we're talking about is an evolution of the tried-and-true, well-established monoclonal antibody programs, um, the company that's been around for a long time. And they're bi-specific because they can hit two or more cell service targets at the same time, using the same drug, not using two separate monoclonals, but having it together in one therapy. What's really interesting about this, and we were just talking about CAR-Ts and one of the risks associated with that is getting them safe enough to be able to use in the majority patients in early line therapy. REGN-1979 and other bispecifics potentially could be safer to use in patients than CAR T's because they don't cause cytokine release syndrome, which is a uh, life-threatening event that's been, you know, oftentimes seen in some of the use of some of these CAR T's. And the drug that Regeneron's developing, REGN-1979, great year, right, 1979? <laughs> <Wonderful, yeah>. um, <laughs> that binds to CD3, which is on the T cell. Of the immune system and CD twenty, which is expressed on B cell uh, tumor cells. So the idea here is that okay, by binding to the T cell and binding to the CD twenty on the tumor cell, you're able to, add, you know, basically alert that immune cell to go target and destroy that B cell cancer uh, easier, better, more, e- you know, more effectively.
0: Yeah, and not to add, could potentially have a lower cost. We talked about the cost of CAR-T by specifics could have a much lower manufacturing cost associated with it. In addition to the potential, you know, better safety profile. And let's just talk about efficacy here, Todd, because granted, this is a very small study, so we should always caveat that. Um, but they were actually able to have a 100% overall response rate in a particular type of lymphoma. What can you tell us about that, Todd?
1: That's just stupid good, right? <laughs> I mean, that's just amazing. I mean, it's crazy. They were evaluating it in non Hodgkin lymphoma. Okay. Specifically two different types. Follicular lymphoma was the one that developed that, that saw that hundred percent response rate. Follicular lymphoma is not necessarily incredibly common. It's about 15,000 new cases per year, I think in the United States. Um, and typically, you know, patients respond pretty well to the existing, uh, therapies that are out there right now. I think the five-year survival for follicular is right around 88%. But for those patients that don't respond well, to the existing therapies, there still is a very big need for new treatment approaches, and maybe, maybe this will be that new treatment approach. We had ten patients that were studied in this early stage trial. As you mentioned, one hundred percent of them responded to the treatment. Eighty percent of them, Shannon, were complete responders, and that that's that's just remarkable.
0: Yeah, so I think the key here will be looking at durability of response moving forward. Um, These were pretty heavily pretreated patients. Um, I think another thing to watch is um, most people will know Regeneron just got FDA approval kind of late to the checkpoint uh, race, but they did just get approval for their checkpoint. I believe it's called Lipteo. Um, It'll be interesting to see Regeneron potentially partner their PD-1 checkpoint inhibitor With this drug and what the results could be. I mean, for those that aren't familiar, checkpoint inhibitors, um, I think, have really ushered in this new wave of um, immunotherapy and have had some impressive results, but they don't work in everyone. And two, just looking at the durability of response and who responds to that has been kind of the big question mark. Um, If you could pair these two together, and get durable responses, I think this makes certainly uh, Regeneron a stock to watch.
1: I think that's what Regeneron's goal is. To, I mean, they've got this now. They've got this PD-1 drug, and the way they're looking at it is saying, "Hmm, can what what indications aren't PD-1s approved for yet? And maybe we can partner, develop other drugs inside of our, you know, internally, um, partner those two drugs up, and be able to kind of outmaneuver some of the other competitors out there and establish a foothold in the in these big markets. A trial is." Um, is going to, ha- is, I think it actually started already, that, that matches these two drugs up. We're going to want to catch, watch that very closely. Uh, we're also going to watch 2019, Shan, because uh, Regeneron says that they're going to kick off a what they think could be a registration-ready trial, which would be a phase two trial, so accelerated approval prov- prov- is what they're going to go after, in follicular lymphoma. So we're going to want to keep a really close eye on that as well.
0: Yeah, and you've also got some other bi-specifics out there. Amgen um, also has a bi-specific as well as Pfizer. So I think uh, 2019, as you mentioned, Todd, will definitely be the year of the bi-specifics. Carti, old news. 2018, 2019, definitely bi-specifics. So let's turn our attention to the last notable headline, uh, certainly not the least. And Todd, a wise person once said, "If at first you don't succeed," Try, try again. I don't know who said that, but I think they were talking about global blood therapeutics, Todd. This is ticker Simple, GBT. Um, GBT, when you just talk about the the share price reaction to news that happens at these medical conferences, this company saw shares skyrocket almost 50% on one day. Uh, I think they closed right around $46 a share, really based on phase three st- a Phase three study and a regulatory update on a product that has had, I guess you could say, mixed results, Todd.
1: Well, the drug that we're talking about here with Global Blood Therapeutics, and you're right, we saved the best for last, right? 30 to 47 (laughs) from Friday to where we are this morning. That's just a crazy move in this this company's stock. The drug is voxelotor. Easy for me to say. We'll just call it Vox. How about that, Shannon? It's Vox. All right, we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna call that Vox. Sounds like something out of the Jurassic uh, (laughs) era. Uh, Anyways, that's a once daily oral formulation, oral, oral therapy for sickle cell disease. And sickle cell disease is a life threatening chronic disease, onset typically in childhood. Over time, it can starve organs of the blood. It can cause stroke. And unfortunately, um, you know, patients have a shortened lifespan with sickle cell disease, and they can also suffer from extremely painful uh, vasoocclusive crises that have land them in the hospital and force them to rely on on opioids to to manage their pain. There is a massive need. For new treatments for sickle cell disease. And based on the study we saw, data we saw at ASH and news that came out of the FDA at the same time, it appears that this drug may be on the fast track um, for helping out these patients.
0: Absolutely. So, um, on the regulatory front, the FDA according to the company, has agreed to accept the company's request to put Vox on this accelerated approval pathway as a treatment for sickle cell disease. And so, for those that have been following uh, this particular company, it's quite fascinating because sickle cell disease, huge unmet need. Um, There have been multiple attempts to really stop and inhibit what the FDA considers kind of the benchmark. Of approval, which is these pain events, these pain crises that happen. Um, and that's really what most drug companies try to go after. Um, GBT, I mentioned, had some mixed results. Um, but what they have finally gotten to at this point um, is now potentially an endpoint that the FDA likes. And so with that, you've got now the FDA saying, OK, let's move forward with this on an accelerated basis. Um, the key here is can Vox actually have long-term clinical benefit? And I think that's kind of the, even though this stock certainly responded uh, tremendously to the data that came out of this conference, the risk associated with this stock is I think probably the highest of these these stories, just because you want to see long-term clinical benefit. And as I understand it, Vox is actually now going after kind of a, I guess you considered an endpoint that may have not as much uh, clinical benefit for patients.
1: Well, you have to understand too that that if if they are successful in getting this drug across the finish line, I mean theoretically it's disease modifying because what it would do is it, it helps prevent the sickling of those cells by you know reoxygenating those cells so that they don't. You know, form that sickle shape, that inflexible f- uh, sickle shape. So so that that part of this this drug is, is fascinating to me. This trial that we saw data from at ASH um, was really a dose escalation study. It really wasn't meant to serve as a registration ready stri- trial. Uh, however, following the, in June, they reported uh, preliminary data from a part A of this trial. And that part A, Trial data was that 58% of Vox patients who got a 1500 milligram uh, daily dose of it saw an increase of one gram per deciliter in their hemoglobin at week 12. Only nine percent of patients that were given a placebo saw such an improvement. So the the thinking here is that if we are able to produce uh, more uh, red blood cells that work right, work correctly, then perhaps perhaps. We then reduce the, the potential for those um, vasoocclusive crises. We also maybe delay disease progression. and These patients can live longer. Like you said, that's not proven yet. This is all just still kind of theoretical. At ASH, they updated the data from Part A, and now 65% of patients who took that 1,500 milligram dose um, saw uh, at least a one gram or per deciliter improvement at the 24-week, and that was versus 10% on placebo. And they also reported um, some data from Part B, which was also looking at the 1,500 milligram dose, and 55% of patients saw that one-gram improvement as well. So, it it definitely seems that this works better than placebo as far as being able to get um, uh, healthier red blood cells uh, for patients, whether or not that actually um, improves quality of life. Um, and 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 reduces the risk of of early death remains to be seen
0: yeah so this is definitely a stock to watch moving forward and again the assumption is if you can increase the capacity of blood to deliver more oxygen to tissues you could potentially Theoretically, protect organ function and reduce the risk of stroke in patients with sickle cell disease. Um, And two, it's not necessarily a new scientific paradigm. There was a study done back in the late 90s that I pulled up that did demonstrate um, that at least blood transfusions, at least, were increasing hemoglobin levels and reduced stroke frequency in children with sickle cell disease. So it's certainly. could be a follow-up to that. We'll have to wait and see on global blood therapeutics, but certainly keep your eyes on that. Um, But definitely some uncertainty. All in all, though, um, Ash has proven to be a great idea generator, at least for me, Todd. I don't know about you, um, but that does take us right into JPM coming up in a few weeks. It'll be really interesting to see what other ideas we get out of that, too.
1: Absolutely. I'm looking forward to talking with you more about that in a few weeks. Can't wait. Well, that
0: is it for this week's Industry focused Healthcare Show. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. This show is produced by Austin Morgan. For Todd Campbell, I'm Shannon Jones. Thanks for listening, and full on!
2: These days, bringing a new drug to life is getting tougher and tougher. It can take billions of dollars and a decade or more to bring an experimental drug from molecule to market. And only one in five marketed drugs ever achieve revenues that match or exceed R&D costs. At Cineos Health, we're working to improve the odds. The result of a merger between INC Research and Inventive Health, Cineos Health is the only company purpose-built to create what we call biopharmaceutical acceleration. Our unique business model allows the clinical and commercial disciplines to work together from the start, sharing critical data, insights, and knowledge. The Sineos Health approach creates success by eliminating traditional obstacles and smoothing the process at every step along the way, from clinical trials to FDA approval, branding and marketing to patient adherence. Every day, Sineos Health is focused on a simple end goal, shortening the distance from lab to life. To learn more, visit cineoshealth.com slash podcast.